everyone. Welcome back to the show, Fibromyalgia Real Solutions with Amanda Love. I'm a registered holistic nutritionist who works with those with fibromyalgia. And today's guest is Susie. So Susie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. So I'd love to know, how did you get started on your journey? It's been quite a journey. I've done a lot of different things over the years. And so I started focusing on stress and wellness really over the last five years. And the work that I was doing right before that um, was helping clients in their 80s and 90s move from where they were living into smaller homes. And so that really gave me a picture of the issues that we can be facing at that point in our lives. And it lit a fire under me to say, we want to have more options. We want to have more vitality when we get there. And how do we put that in place for ourselves? And I decided it's time to work upstream and deal with where we are right now. So we can make little course corrections to make it a lot happier picture when we get to that stage. Yeah, because that's a difficult stage to go through. Well, it can be. And, you know, we see more and more pictures now of people who are in their 80s and 90s. I mean, we just, we keep redefining aging. Right. You know, when I was a kid, the 40s didn't look anything like I feel like I do now in my 40s, right? I think that we keep kind of setting a new curve. And so, you know, if we have pictures in our mind, you know, people are always like, oh, we don't want to think about aging. We don't want to talk about being old, but hopefully we all want to get there. Right. I mean, the alternative isn't great. So, well, <laughs> so we how do we focused. make the best of it? Yeah. We should be sort of focused younger and younger. Yes. And I think that, you know, through the innovations of medicine and well-being, I mean, there's so many different ways of biohacking now, right. You know, the yeah. The micronutrients and all of this, the best way to right. exercise and all of that. But I think that a lot of it comes from mindset. And so that's why, you know, I say that I, I speak to stress, but really I'm all about having a more positive perspective. Yeah. And I, that seems to be what I talk about also, even though I'm not, it's not my main focus, but I find mindsets huge. And it's the last thing people want to focus on. Yes. Yes. And, and when we were chatting on, when you came and were a guest on my podcast and we had a terrific conversation, we were just clicking on so many levels because so much of what you share to support your clients is what I find myself saying to my own too. And, and I appreciate what you're saying. People don't want to think it's all about positive mindset, right? There has to be I don't know, a sexier solution an easier solution and changing the way we think about things. But, you know, I also think I've seen people saying, I'm, I have a solution for you. That's not just one more mindset hack. So I don't know what idea people are getting about, you know, mindset. Like we have to say a mantra every day. We have to meditate for 40 minutes in order to have a more positive mindset. I see it as kind of like flipping a switch. There are some things that we can just choose to believe and choose to no longer think are true. And it can be that simple. So, so what I keep coming back to in my own work is people can see stress as debilitating. Some of the researchers say it, or you can see stress as 
enhancing. You can see it as an opportunity to kind of show what we're made of and step up to a challenge rather than feeling like it's one more struggle, one more potential defeat that we're facing. And that just feels totally differently in our body. So when you recognize that we have that power of choice, that's, that's more like a switch than something we have to practice, you know, ad nauseum in order to incorporate. Yeah. It's just a little switch in our mind, but it sounds easier than doing it. Yes, I, exactly. And, and I agree completely. Things can be simple, but that doesn't mean that they're easy. Right. And so, um, you know, I've also heard people kind of debate is our stress response genetic? Are we just destined to respond to stress the same way that our parents do? Or is it something that we learn? Do we respond to stress the way our parents do? Because that's what we've watched, right? And we pick up a lot of stories through life. We pick up money stories and, you know, the ways of being in relationship. And so I believe that that stress response can be a story and we can start to step away from what doesn't serve us there. So, so that's really where I come from. Another aspect of it is people who are afraid of change and will do anything to resist change. And we've seen a lot of that over the course of the last year because everything changed. Or you can kind of have almost a spirit of adventure and say, all right, well, if this is what we're working with now, what can I do with this? How can I bring this to my advantage? Yeah. And, and the people who have the spirit of venture, they're more happier. They're not stressing out about it. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and I completely recognize and admit, just like you said, like it it isn't necessarily easy once we can see something and we want to step into it. It does, it does take some practice, right? in order to follow through with it. And so that's another thing that I really love to, to kind of point out to people is the power of neuroplasticity, right? We can wire our brains to be more positive. And one of the, one of the ways that I hear people refer to most often, I mean, there aren't many people in this positive mindset space who don't say, have your gratitude practice, right? Write down three gratitudes every day. Mm-hmm. but it's actually been proven to work. It actually, as we write down three gratitudes, we go back through our day through that inventory of memories, and we're putting more value and importance on those things that we're grateful for. And we're training our brain to be looking for those. And then as we're experiencing them, we put more value in them. And so it does actually help us to be more positive. We see more opportunities to be grateful when we are building that muscle. I kind of think of neuroplasticity as building a muscle, right? Or some people say wearing a groove in a record, you're wearing that groove. So your brain defaults to a new path as opposed to the old rut that we've been stuck in. Yeah. And you realize, I think people forget what they're doing every single day. If you're not doing that, you forget the little things that are important, right? And that you should be grateful for. Yes, absolutely. And, and when you said that, I first thought, yeah, we forget so much of what we do because it's habitual, right? So we have to build these new habits. And yes, to your point, we have to, we, it helps us so much. 
There's no have tos. There's no shoulds. We don't need any more obligation heaped on us. That's part of the stress that we struggle with, (laughs) but it's so supportive. It's so beneficial when we find ways. So, you know, set a reminder, um, have a beautiful journal by your bed, like look for ways to make it easier so that it doesn't become a struggle or an effort to start to build this habit. You know, we can start to, to make it easier for ourselves to, to go to these new paths. And we all want easy right now. Oh my gosh. We need some more things in life to be easy. There's been so much struggle and effort, you know, and, and, So I, I, I used to tell the story of when I was working with my, um, moving clients and people would be downsizing typically a house they'd been in for 40 years and moving into an apartment and they would be keeping track of every single thing they have to give away. And that list gets really, really long when you're keeping track of every single thing you don't get to keep with you. It gets really hard to stay positive and to see the happiness and what you get to hold on to. Right. And so I would try to impress upon them instead of keeping track, like start looking at things a different way and say, what do I need to have in my new home? What brings me joy? We can Marie Kondo that stuff. If you need to, what is going to brighten up my new home space and stop keeping track of everything we can't have. And that's kind of the way we have to look at where we are now. We can keep track of everything we've given up, everything we've lost over the last year, or we can say, how much of what really matters do I still have every day and what really matters? Can I bring back into my life and how can I get there? You know, as opposed to keeping that tally, that's just going to make us depressed and frustrated and, you know, keep us miserable. Right. And I think this past year, you sort of see what's more, what's important and what sh- should have gone a long time ago. <laughs> I think so. I think so. We had a lot of habits that weren't serving us, right? Right. You know, maybe when it was easy to go out socially, we went out more nights than we stayed in to, to go to bed on time and get our sleep. That was something we talked a lot about when you came on my show is how important and healing sleep is. And we, we tend to think when life gets busy, like the one thing we can have control over is our time at the end of the day. Right. You know, and I'll just go to bed a little bit later because I've, you know, if you have children, I finally got the kids down to bed. It's my turn to watch what I want or do what I want. Yeah, I'll, I'll go to bed later, but we're really giving ourselves the short end of the deal. When we take, when we're defaulting that out of our self-care sleep is so, so important. Yeah. And I find if I cut, stay up a little later and watch like a game or something, I'm like, then I suffer the next day. Cause you, you need that sleep. Exactly. And we can't usually make up for it in the mornings. We usually have a set wake up time because we have work or whatever it is that we do to start the day. I've been trying um, to put together a more consistent morning schedule, you know, right? People, so many more people now have heard of the million dollar morning, the routine, and, and it really needs to be just whatever serves you. If that's 10 minutes of meditation and you know, I manage maybe 20 minutes of exercise on my good days. I mean, I'm not out, you know, at the crack of dawn to do all kinds of high intensity training and that sort of impressive stuff, right. but just to start off the day on my own terms before I fall into that email inbox or, you right. know, start responding to all the other input that's coming in. Yeah. And it's, it's taking that time and it's hard to do, but we have to do it. 
Even, yeah. I mean, I, what I do is I put on like some positive music as I get up. Right. So start your day off positive. Right. Exactly. <laughs> because you don't know what is going to get thrown at you during the day. Right. Right. So many things can come up. So many things can come across our radar, whether it's, you know, things we hear about from friends or family or turning on the news and catching a headline that sticks with you, you know, and I don't turn on the news anymore. Oh, I tell you, it's, <laughs> it gets hard. It gets hard, you know, to, to find ways to stay connected and not, I was talking with a friend yesterday and I don't know if it's an app or what, but he, he loves the good news channel. <laughs> he was telling me about dogs that have been trained to sniff out turtles so that they can be captured and tagged or, you know, rehabilitated. I don't know, but that's the news that we need to be seeking out. Right. I've heard someone say that local news channels tend to feature more positive stories than national news channels. So that's I'm another thing. Sure. Too. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's, it's getting harder. It's getting harder to tune into the positivity, but I agree with you completely. I, when yeah. we start off on a positive note, it helps us be more resilient to the other stuff that comes in along the way. Yeah. I, I just, I saw something about like traveling and I'm like with the coronavirus and I'm like, I'm just, I'm like, oh, and then you just end up reading it. Right. Right. And then that algorithm is designed to capture you and lead you to the next story. Right. Oh, here's more stories like this or. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't want to know what's going on with the coronavirus or whatever. I'm like, I don't need to know. I, if I don't need to handle some travel right now, I don't need to read seven minutes of article about it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But it just, I don't even know. It just sort of showed up. I'm like, oh gosh. But I haven't even, like, I hadn't even, I had no idea about the, what was going on with the coronavirus. <laughs> See, it's like, I think you get in, you get in a habit of your watch. In the beginning, we were all watching the news. And then it's like, and then it just stresses us out. Yeah. And, and it did, I think, I mean, we certainly, yeah. my husband and I fell into a habit of being more consistent, watching the news as the last year began, right? right. Oh, what's I mean, happening? What's watching, happening? And then we yeah, had to like in the beginning when the president was like doing his talk in the big, I'm like, why am I watching this every day? <laughs> because a lot of it is, is on repeat right? A lot of it isn't brand new information. They're just filling their airtime. Yeah. And who knows if they're even telling the truth or what? <laughs> so I exactly. So, so we do get to take that permission to kind of cultivate our input a little bit better. I think, I think it's really important um, because if we're not paying attention to what we allow in or out, then we're letting we're basically letting other people dictate it, whether that's Siri <laughs> and Apple News or Alexa, right? There are so many things now that are kind of paying attention to our habits and serving up, air quotes, more of the same. <laughs> things that aren't serving us in the long run. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, I, I love to tune into to what does. Um, one of the things that I did recently in one of the little um, short workshops that I led is I, we all spent some time to create a happiness inventory. Oh, that's and 
I love the artist Sark. Have you heard of her? She spells her name. It's her initials actually, S-A-R-K. I think it's Susan Ariel Rainbow Kennedy or something, but Sark is, you know, what she's been known as for decades. And she has a really kind of iconic, it's gotten to be piece of art called How to Be an Artist. And she just writes on a piece of paper, all the ways in which, you know, smell flowers, you know, watch butterflies. Um, and That's relaxing. So, exactly. Right? And so we just kind of made a list. Like we just brainstormed on a list. I had everybody use colored pencils or colored markers or what have you to make it colorful and bright and fun and make a list of things that make you happy. And then it's written down and it's somewhere where if you have five minutes, you can look at it and pick something as opposed to saying, I have five minutes. What should I do with myself right now? Right? Like yeah, my brain is already tired. <laughs> Well, that's the problem. We overthink everything. We do. We can really get on that spiral, can't we? We can just, yeah. Yeah. Chew on something. So I think it's good that that's really easy to do. You just, you could do it today. Yeah, exactly. And I had mine, I started mine and had it, do I have it all the way to I, I would grab it if I, if it wasn't like glued to my wall over here, but <laughs> I just kind of had it sitting next to my desk for about a day and a half or so. And as I thought of something else, I'd write it down. And then that right. looked pretty complete. I stuck it up on the wall. So it's right there to remind me now and then. Yeah. It's, it's just a simple thing to change your mindset. Yes. Yeah. And these little shifts make a huge difference. Right. And we need to do, we need to take the time to actually make those little shifts because they pay dividends down the long run. They absolutely do. They definitely do. Um, you know, some people, like I, I try to encourage people the same thing, like my little happiness inventory, or, you know, what do you define as self-care? Self-care is whatever helps you feel restored right. and nourished. And some people have decided to give it a bad rap because it's, it's been really overly marketed over the last couple of years. Yeah. We all hear about it all the time. Exactly. And people say, well, I don't want to go get a massage or I don't like a salt bath or I don't like that. Therefore self-care doesn't work or it isn't for me. It's kind of the same way people say, oh, life work balance is a myth because their balance doesn't look like someone else's right? Your self-care gets to look like exactly what you want it to. Right. If your self-care is turning on some happy music in the morning or turning on some really raucous thrasher music in the afternoon at the end right. of the workday, it's, it's whatever you like. That's, that goes in your self-care list. Yeah. And it's not, it's easy. I mean, you had to, I think people need to put, pencil it in because if you don't pencil it in or actually put in like, like a pen. So you can't erase it. Right. Sharpie it in. Right? I mean, even if it's just like 10 minutes just to sit outside and not do anything, I think people don't even take just 10 minutes away from the computer, away from your phone, 10 minutes just to sit outside and just don't have your mind going. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it used to be kind of the exception maybe to eat lunch at your desk. And now I think it really is the exception to eat lunch 
not at your desk, like not in front of the computer or a screen with media playing, right? We're in such a multitasking thing. Like, oh, I'll take 15 minutes for lunch, but I'll watch this YouTube video or I'll catch up on this or... Yeah, like you say, we we need to, even beyond penciling it in, which is going to be a big step for some people to put time for themselves on their agenda, it it really does need to be so important that other things don't get to push it out of the way. Right. Yeah. If if you're going to have that, whatever it is, like one hour to work out, then nothing is going to push it out of the way. Exactly. Exactly. Whatever, whatever that looks like for you, if that's your one hour at the gym and you can get into a class and have a bit of community and accountability or yeah, I'd like to do a dance break at the end of the work day. And, and <laughs> I can do better about being more consistent about that and not saying, Oh, I'll just sit here for 30 more minutes before this other thing I'm going to do this evening. Right. So, you know, it's, it's always a process, you know, and, and, So um, I think it's important to recognize too, we need to celebrate our wins along the way. And instead of being hard of ourselves or saying, oh, I can't meditate. I I only did it once this week. I'm really inconsistent. Being like, I did it one more time than last week. Go me. Good job. (laughs) Or I ate a better meal than I did earlier in the day. Exactly. I talked myself out of that box of crackers that I know is in the pantry. Yeah. Or that ice cream or whatever it is. <laughs> Sometimes it's better exactly. just not to have it in the house because then you don't have that temptation. Truly, truly. It's enough to drive past the drive through, right. And not turn in. So yeah, I agree. I usually try to keep temptation out of the pantry. So I don't have to tax my willpower with the little things like that. Yeah, that's the same with me. I am like, I just better keep it not around. <laughs> but I mean, it's fine if once in a while you have it, it's fine. It's not going to kill you. Yeah. And I think that's a really great point too. Yeah. Um, some people think that new habits or lifestyle change means in order to be successful, I never have a cheat day. Right. Or it's you have. You have to be a hundred percent and I have to be perfect. So why even bother trying? Right, right. We can be really hard on ourselves. And I think that comes from, you know, whatever that little inner critic is, if it sounds like us on a bad day, if it sounds like parents or teachers, somebody who's been hard on us in the past, um, we get to have a conversation with that. We don't always have to believe everything that that inner critic is telling us. Right. I think, I think a big thing is we all need to just listen to our bodies and, and be like, well, did that thing actually make me feel good? Or did it make me feel horrible? And if you, you have to realize it's, if it made you feel bad, well, then you do it again. Well, that's, it's a, it's all lesson. It's all a lesson. Absolutely. And I, and I love that you brought up, you know, listening to our bodies because it's so easy to listen to the inner critic or listen to what we should be doing. Right. Listen to all these external influences, friends, right. And we, 
I, I think people even forget how to tune into what works yeah. for us, what makes right. us feel better afterward, or like we've talked about, you know, sometimes food gets you a couple of days after the fact. So it isn't that immediate response, but really paying attention over a bigger picture and saying, oh, this is moving me in a better direction or, oh, I'm really tired. How can I give myself some more support and some rest today instead of forcing through and you know, paying more attention to what we should be doing. Right. I think we, we don't realize, oh, well, I have that headache. Well, maybe that's why I didn't have enough water. I didn't do any self-care. I need some downtime. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, um, you know, and it kind of ties back into that, that inner critic, we're harder on ourselves than we would be on a friend. Yeah, we are even like, even if we have kids or nieces and nephews, you wouldn't say something to like a two-year-old, I have a almost two-year-old niece. Why do you say these things to yourself? Exactly, exactly. And that is, um, it can be, it can be one more habit you know, that way we have of being hard on ourselves, of being overly critical, it can be one more habit that we've picked up over time and we're just not aware of until we start paying attention to it. Yeah, and I think, but once you start paying attention to it, then you start to realize, well, that is not serving me. Yes, exactly, exactly. And then when something isn't serving me, how can I change that? How can I recognize that everything that says to me is not true. <laughs> so what is true? What isn't true? Right. What do I want to be true? Yeah. What, what, um, I think people, you like a really good way is just to have people tell you what is true about yourself so you could see it because sometimes we need outside opinions to tell us what <laughs> we need to change about ourselves and what is actually great about us. Exactly. Exactly. We tend to miss. Yeah. What our strengths are. I had someone point this out to me. I'm, I've, you know, trying to work on my marketing and help, you know, write things that help the right people find me. And, and my mentor pointed out, James is just a genius when it comes to this. He says, we've been taught to focus on what isn't great to improve that instead of recognizing the things that we are great at and shining a light on that and giving ourselves permission to focus and enhance what we're already innately good at. Right. We spend all this time and energy on like, oh, I need to be better at this and I'm not doing enough of this. And right. It's easy to see how we can be so hard on ourselves. Right. It's really easy. Yeah. So exactly. I love your point. And I think, you know, in my experience on the couple of times when I have been trying to find out and I've asked some friends, they're really forthcoming and really happy to tell me some of the things that stand out to them or that they appreciate about me or how I've been able to show up for them. And, oh my gosh, like if you need to pick me up, there's another idea. Just reach out to a couple of friends or family and ask them like, what's something that I do really well? Or what's something that I do that most people, other people don't. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if we, that's a big thing that we could do is have those people in our lives where there could be like, well, you're so good at connecting with people. You're so inspiring, whatever it is. Because then on our bad days, we could go back 
to that journal and be like, oh, so-and-so said this about me. Exactly. Exactly. And we can do the other, we can do that for other people too. Right. The same researcher that was looking at that actually measured how much longer we're happy after we get into this practice of counting gratitudes. He was counting people who did it consistently over 21 days and they had, um, weeks of improved happiness and satisfaction with life afterward. Another thing that you can do over that same period of time for three weeks, you can do positive things for other people. And that's one of their suggestions is write an email and tell someone what you appreciate about them and just let it land in their inbox. So we can even, you know, give an unsolicited boost right? to friends, family, coworkers, you know, whoever might need a little pick me up. We all do. We all need some pick me ups, don't we? we? Well, yeah, lately that's what's happening. Like I'm having people who are like, oh, you're so, and it's like, it's just a big boost, especially this, I mean, this whole year, right? And it's easy. And for some people, it's really easy to just give it back. Right. And just tell people stuff back. I mean, I, I find I do it because it's my personality. Right. But I mean, I think people, we all need to be doing it. Thanking someone is goes a long way. A long way. I mean, I find, um, a lot of people, like if you have family members or people in your life, and then you have this one friend and they, and they thank you. It's like, it's like, why can't everybody do it? Right. But I know we learn it as kids. We learn the, the magic words as kids. And I, I think that, that I we, for- we forget it or something. I don't know. I just, I don't understand it. Yeah. I don't know if it's, um, you know, maybe comes from wanting to appear stronger, more confident, or, you know, we deserve something. So it doesn't, it doesn't require yeah. a please or a thank you, but I hand them out all the time. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm constantly handing them out. <laughs> right. Because, because everybody's got a lot on their plate. So anything that anyone does for me, be it, you know, the yeah, cashier I mean, at the grocery store or right? the delivery guy that's out here every day. Yeah. Always, I, always grateful. <laughs> I think if, I think we all need us be grateful for things, even though this whole year has been crazy and we don't know what the next year is going to be like. Right. Right. And, and, you know, it, it kind of goes to show too. I mean, there's so much outside of our control. Right. So if we pay more attention to what is within our control that we're able to change, like the way that you're able to support your clients and encouraging them to just recognize what food benefits them and what doesn't, that's completely within our control. It can feel overwhelming and daunting. And maybe we don't like the meal planning or the prep. Right. Isn't that true? But it's within our control. That's totally worth our time and attention. Right. I think, I think, I think, I think we think, I think we are so overwhelmed. Well, what is it that you could control right now today? Right? Exactly. Maybe exactly. that's going to bed an hour earlier, like we talked about. 
Right? Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, recognizing that Netflix is going to keep on putting the next episode or a new suggestion <laughs> right? up. I mean, we I can, yeah, we could turn it off. Right. And start reading something because all that media, you know, that digital input, the blue light, plus the content right. itself, you know, keeps our brain going. going. So of course we don't feel tired. We, you know, our brain is still kind of grinding away on new input and data into the evening hours. Yeah. And I think just simple, simple, like turning off Netflix off like an episode earlier. I think people, we will all, we get, we get onto watching Netflix for like, we could do it for like a couple of hours if we're not careful. Oh, I'm really guilty of that. I mean, I'm sitting here saying it and I'm not always good about it. I'm just, (laughs) there's one thing we can do every day, you know, and it might be, it might be that. Yeah. And then you get better sleep and then you have better energy and you could get up earlier and whatever get your exercise. So then it's a snowball effect, right? It absolutely is. Keep our immunity stronger, keep our focus better the next day. You know, that's one thing I, 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 you know, tend to use the hamster wheel analogy a lot because I do talk with people about stress and burnout and we're always working to achieve something. Right. And, and, you know, we, we just, we push ourselves so much that when we can kind of remove ourselves from that routine and habit and get a perspective on what matters, like what's the one thing that's going to help me feel better today? What's the one thing that will help the most important thing get closer to being done, you know, and break it down as opposed to looking at the mountains of input or expectations around us, you know, then we can really, yeah, I think I like how you said breaking it down. So maybe you only have if you have a big project, what is the one thing that you could do to that will move you forward, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's one other thing that I, I love to talk about is because we already talked about celebrating the wins. You know, if you've got that one big project and you're like, oh, when I get that done, boy, I'm gonna have a oh. big dinner or whatever it is. Um but breaking it down and giving yourself little mile markers along the way, then when you get to that first level, I made it, I've made progress. You can see that you're further than you came and, you know, decide on a way to celebrate it. Put that in your calendar too. When I get to this point in this goal or project, how am I going to reward myself? Because then you're much more likely to stay on track as opposed to thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get this off of my list. It's been here for months. (laughs) I think breaking it down. Yeah. So much more doable and rewarding along the way. Absolutely. And less stress. Mm -hmm. So is there anything else you would like to share? Oh gosh, we've covered a lot of ground today. Um, Yeah. One thing that I like to recommend to people too. So we've talked a bit about context And, you know, questioning where different perceptions are coming from, right? Like being curious about that inner critic. One short exercise, again, simple, not necessarily easy. It takes a little practice, but if you start looking at ways that you can, um, I call it the pause and pivot. When you start feeling something gets you irritated or agitated, maybe you're watching the news and it starts stresses you out, um, kind of find an opportunity to pause and get curious and ask, is this stressing me out? This exact thing, the source right now in this moment, 
or is it triggering something else, an older story, something else that's happened to me? Right. Is that memory or maybe an emotion that we haven't dealt with part of why I'm stressed out and triggered right now? And when we get curious about it, when we pause and ask ourselves, it brings us out of that stress response and helps us have more control over how we're going to respond. And that is the pivot. And we can choose do I want to keep watching this? That's irritating me. You know, do I want to say the first thing that comes to my mouth? If I'm in a conversation with someone and I'm getting stressed. So we have that opportunity to have more control. So the pause and giving ourselves a chance to be curious. And then the pivot to choose what we want to call in gives us so much more power in the outcome. So that's one exercise that it's easier to do in these kinds of situations. I'm watching the news, I'm driving and somebody's being a fool on the road right. so that when we really need it, when we're in a conversation that matters, we have that presence of mind to kind of stop reacting and be able to be present and respond the way that we want to. So and there's a- Yeah, I love something. Yeah. So where can everyone find you? So I host the Happified podcast, and I'll be sharing that link with you as soon as your episode goes live, but you can find me on happifiedlife.com. And um, I, my website is 3x less stress. That's a little bit easier to remember the number three, just the letter X less stress.com and everything is linked over there. So trying to put together useful nuggets of information to be not overwhelming but helpful. So we can all live with less stress. Thank you. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes and thank you for this wonderful conversation. I feel like my audience is going to get a lot from it. I hope so. I hope so. You know, if nothing else, just permission to recognize we've been dealing with a lot, we're doing the best we can, and we can make little changes to have big rewards. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for doing the work that you do and brightening your, your clients and your audience's lives with this information. Thank you.